Last year, I read Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering. I feel a little sad right now thinking about this book because it makes me want to be together in person with people. Oh, by the way, anytime a book is mentioned on this show or anything you might be interested in looking for, you'll find it in the show notes. So The Art of Gathering felt like a game changer book for me. Priya offers ideas for structure and organization for gatherings. She pushes us to think about purpose. And she's just all about helping people have meaningful, authentic connection with each other. And more than anything, her book is inspiring. After I read it, I just wanted to gather together with people. Now, you should know that a great number of the ideas in this book are transferable to a virtual world. And Priya has been writing about how we can do that. I really like her newsletter. So I got inspired to host gatherings in 2019. And one of those that I hosted was focused on books. My friend Jenny actually co-hosted this one with me, so I've got to give her credit for making that happen and for the topic, because there was a topic for this gathering, which was a book that's had a profound influence on you. So you had to choose one book and tell a story about how the book has impacted you. I love talking about books. I have a feeling that on this podcast, books will often make their way into our conversations. So the gathering was about books, and I invited a friend who I don't know very well, someone I'd only met a few times, who I wanted to get to know better. And her name is, or was, Lisa. Lisa Ahn. So now the book gathering is starting, and people are arriving, and someone is at the door, and I open it, and I see Lisa standing there outside the door. I hadn't seen her in a few years, and I felt really happy to see her. She's got this warm, open, beautiful smile, and when I greet people, I use their name, right? Like, you open the door, and you see someone, and you welcome them with their name. So I just opened the door. Someone else had just arrived and I said, you know, hi, Rebecca. Okay, so you use people names when you welcome people. I open the door. I see Lisa standing there and I say, hi. Hi. Welcome. It's good to see you. But I couldn't say her name. I felt like I almost had this voice going through my head, which said, her name isn't Lisa. It was this really weird feeling. And I had, first, I sort of thought like, have I forgotten her name? Is her name really Lisa? Maybe I'm not remembering it right, but I couldn't say it. And I, and I didn't. I just said hi. And I felt awkward. Like I was like a bad hostess. Okay, so then 15 people are squished into my little living room and we share our books. 
And Lisa has brought a book called The Name Jar. It's a picture book by Yang Suk Choi about a little girl who immigrates to the U.S. from Korea. And it's a story about names. And my friend Lisa tells a story about her own name. And that's what you're going to hear today. Welcome, everybody, to the Bright Morning Podcast. Today, I have my friend Chayong An, who is here with us to tell us a story about her name. We'll start there. So, Chayong, thank you for being here. And where does this story about your name start? Oh gosh. Well, thank you, Elena. Well, the the name my name Chaeyoung obviously starts with, you know, my parents when you know, I was in utero and there's a whole process where they visit I can't remember exactly if it's a shaman or some sort of spiritual person um to and it's like some mix between astrology and some spiritual path where they try to figure out what's the right name for this child that's coming. And it's usually after the baby is born and then it's like three days later, they get the name essentially. So there's a whole process that both myself and my brother were named through that process. And I'm certain that many people in my lineage go have gone through that process to name their children. That's what they did with my son as well. Let me interrupt you and ask you, can you tell us how you identify racially, culturally, ethnically? Oh, yeah. So I am, I'm Korean American, but I was born in Korea and my parents immigrated to New York City when I was about two and a half years old. So I'm what people call 1.5 generation where I was born somewhere where else, but I heavily identify as, you know, born and raised in, in America, essentially. But my, the way my parents uh, raised us, it was very much in the sort of Korean enclave. I learned a lot of Korean and Korean school, went to a Korean church, and most of my friends were Korean for a really long time until I went to high school and then college. So very much Korean identity is a very strong identity for me. Mm, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So you were given the name Cha Young at just after birth and then and then what? And then we come to the United States and I honestly don't have um the the clearest memory I have of really disliking my name is when I was in 3rd grade. So, you know, I don't even, I don't have a memory of, because Korean was my first language and I don't know if I was an ESL student, English as second language student in kindergarten or first or second grade, but I was in a, I was in a neighborhood in Queens where it was really diverse. We have kids from all over the world in that place. Um, I remember my best friend, I think in second grade was Polish, but Anyway, but I just remember there was a particular year in third grade where I was showing up to school with a new name every week. I had spent some time at the local library with baby name books, and I would basically choose a name based on either somebody I knew or just the sound of it. And I would tell my teacher, like, this week I'm going to be Jane or this week I'm going to be Elizabeth, you know, on and on. And so, again, I don't remember the exact 
you know, part of the school year that I started this, but I know I sustained it for at least what it seemed like, you know, several weeks, several, several names. I think I went through at least eight or nine names and my teacher just went along with it. Like, and again, I don't remember if there was a conversation, but it didn't ever stuck. I don't think my teacher ever said, maybe you should think about, you know, I don't know why you want to change your name or, you know, what's causing this or anything like that. My parents had no concept that I was doing this. I know it was a very much self-driven process for me. And it was in fourth grade, actually. I think after all of that, you know, after several weeks of using a different name, I think in the end, you know, no name actually stuck. So my sense of that is that it just didn't work. And so I just kept going back to Chaeyoung, even though my teachers never said it right. And even though my classmates couldn't say it right. And so when I went to a new school, it was an all, it was a pretty much all white school in Pleasantville, New York, which is like 45 minutes north of New York City. My dad owned a store there and for family reasons, we ended up going to school there for about a year or so. And I knew that would be my chance to like actually demarcate a new name for myself because nobody knew me and I was starting a new school. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to show up to the school and say my name is Elizabeth. That's the name I had chosen. And I think I spent a lot of time thinking about that name. I have a cousin whose name is Elizabeth. She's my oldest cousin out of 13 cousins. And I heard so much about her. She was really smart and all these things. And I don't know, I think I really love the name. And so when I went to the school for the first day, I went with my mother who does not speak uh, like very much English at all. So I was driving the conversation. I was in fourth grade and the assistant principal that I was talking to asked me what my name was. And I said, it's Elizabeth. And she said, can I call you Lisa? And at that point, you know, if you look at baby name books, they actually list out like all the nicknames. And I didn't remember Lisa being one of them. Maybe they were like, it was a tertiary (laughs) nickname, but she's like, can I call you Lisa? And I didn't know what to say at the point because I'm starting this new school. This is the assistant principal. And I didn't, I couldn't say, no, my name is Elizabeth. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, why not? And then I didn't expect her to introduce me to my class as, as Lisa, but she did. And then that just, that one small decision of hers and mine, I guess, and my complicitness, like really changed the course of my name for the next 30 years. So she introduced me as Lisa to the class. I remember my teacher's name was Miss Bigelow. And even though all my kind of official paperwork there was Elizabeth, she and everyone else called me Lisa. And then Mm -hmm. when we returned to Queens to continue to middle school, I kept Lisa as the name because by then I felt really identified with that name because I spent a year or so using that name. So I made a decision where my personal, like within my family, I was going to be called Chaeyoung, like just my parents and my brother and some friends um, that knew me in elementary school. But even then I was going to a new middle school. And so just Lisa became the name. Nobody really knew Chaeyoung at that point. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I spent from fifth grade on till high school, having my official record say Chaeyoung, because that's what's my on my social security. And I had I had made the decision when I was in, like applying for colleges, I think in my senior year, that I was going to go through all the paperwork to change my name officially. And so I did that myself right before I left for Williams. 
to change your name to Lisa officially. Yeah. And then Chayon became my middle name. And that was sort of my own, you know, way of staying in touch with that identity or that name. But in actuality, like Chayon didn't really grow out of being nine years old in some ways because mm-hmm. I, I left her at nine. And, you know, I do remember when we went to get our citizenship and I, I, I don't remember exactly how old I was. It must have been in second grade. So something must have happened between second and third grade. But in mm-hmm. second grade, we went to get our citizenship. My dad and my brother and I went. And I remember the the official you know, person we were talking to encouraging me to change my name. You know, kind of saying, like, do you want a new name? You can have a new American name if you want. And I had said no at the time. Wow. And so, you know, who knows, like, what really went through my psyche at that age between second and third grade to get to that point where I was like, no, actually, I can change my name. I want to change my name. And I will, you know, kind of do all that it takes to make that shift. And so it's really interesting to think about that conversation um, with that person at the social security office. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I want to just repeat, (laughs) you changed your name to Lisa and then you said, and that's how people knew you for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, and then you said, nobody really knew Cha Young. And just, when you said that, I just felt this sort of this, like this weight and this sadness mm-hmm. for that, that nine-year-old girl. And, and then you said Chao Young didn't really grow out of being nine years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I first met you, I met you as Lisa. Mm-hmm. And so tell us what's happened in the last period of time. How did you return to to be Cha Young? Yeah, so I feel a lot of sadness too for mm-hmm. my nine-year-old self. I cried a lot when I finally made my public decision to tell people that I was going back to Cha Young. And I think that was sort of a sense of like, almost uh, loss for all those years that I sort of, I felt like in some ways, like I left Chayong behind Mm -hmm. and also for, and for also the love that I have for Lisa and like all that she was for me for Mm -hmm. the last 30 years before I decided to go back to Chayong. So it it was a very complicated moment for me, but yeah, I, I had thought about changing my name back to Chayong maybe two Two times, and the second time is when I actually made the decision. Right now is the second time, and I've made the decision to actually do it. But the first time was I had met one other Korean American woman right after college who had actually switched back to her Korean name, even though she had spent most of her life with an English name that her parents had given her. And I thought, wow, that's so courageous Mm. because I, I, I had read studies about you know, people who don't get even job, you know, jobs or job interviews because their names don't sound American. And so I 
Lisa was a security blanket for me. I was like, I'm mm. coming out of college. I want a job. I want to be quote unquote normal. And so even though there was a real inspiration in hearing from this other woman, I chose not to do it. And I felt a sense of guilt around that for, you know, almost, I don't know, 19 years, I guess. And last year in 2019, so I am an independent consultant. I'm a facilitator and a coach. And I started my own business about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now. And that was a really scary move for me to make that decision. And I I know that many people who are entrepreneurs and start their own businesses, you know this, it's not an easy decision. And that was a really empowering decision for me to be my own boss and just explore what you know, where my heart leads me. But in the last year, I have felt this sort of internal wall where like, I sensed that like, I I was not stepping into my full, like power, my full voice, my full identity. And I couldn't really articulate what it was. And I couldn't figure out what it what needed to be unlocked. I had my own coach, I had my own therapist, I was like, trying to work through a bunch of stuff. But there was something I could feel almost sensationally in my body where I felt mm. intimidated by really powerful people that I love and admire and had this feeling like, oh, I don't belong in this space or I mm. I could never become like this person. And so this feeling of, you know, not belonging, of um, feeling a little bit like powerless or intimidated by other people's brilliance was something that I've been holding on to for the last year. And this in December, a friend, a good friend of mine invited me to a training in Mexico City. And it was this five-day training or six-day training. And I had no idea what it was about, but she's like one of those people that if she says, let's go, I'm like, sure, I'm going to drop everything and follow you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when she said, let's go, I was like, okay, great. So, you know, I was like, I'm going to leave my son for the first time, you know, for more than two days. And mm-hmm. I decided to go and be led through a training by Leticia Nieto. She wrote a book called Beyond Inclusion, Beyond Empowerment. And she has a really beautiful framework for anti-oppression skills. And she's a psychologist. And anyway, her whole framework is comes from this developmental perspective. So it's very compassionate. And anyway, she's a powerful person. I didn't know how powerful she was until I went to Mexico. And she led this anti-oppression training and she used psychodrama as one of the forms of transformation. And it just so happened that I became the protagonist for that psychodrama. I'm not going to go into all the details of psychodrama, but what was really powerful in that was For me, I think I always knew in my head that, like, that we, all of us are no different than the stars in the sky, like Mm -hmm. that we are of the same material, same energy. And if I were to truly believe that, right, like this other belief that I was carrying, you know, most of my life, but especially this past year of like, I, I could never belong right? Belong Mm -hmm. in this place or belong in this world just doesn't have a place, right? If I truly believe that. And through the psychodrama, I was able to literally feel that connection to, Mm. it sounds really woo-woo, but like literally to the universe. And I just was like, wow. And she asked me, what is my name? From that place of real belonging, she said, what's your name? And the name that came out was Chayong. And that just blew my mind in the moment, you know, and I get chills just thinking about it. Mm. And 
yeah, once that happened, and there were other really profound things that happened to the psychodrama, but that for me was like, you know, something that I got to encounter and feel, and I couldn't turn away from it after that. Mm-hmm. Like, how could I, how could I feel that sort of cosmic, you know, connection and know that my name Chayong is where that connection comes from and then be like, Oh no, I'm not going to use that name anymore. And so that was the the impetus to be like, oh, okay. So Lisa, Lisa's time is over. Like wow. if I, if I want to continue to, you know, grow in my courage and my power and my voice, like I just knew from that moment that it's not going to be Lisa that carries me forward. It's going to be Chayong. And so after that, powerful experience I started the process of legally changing my name again and I think more important than the legal process has been really to step out and tell my community you know that I'm no longer going by Lisa and that Chayong is the name that I'm going to carry and it has been really healing for me because the story that was stuck in my head from when I was nine or eight was that my name made other people uncomfortable or it was bad. It was um, wrong in some sort of way. And I needed to make myself better by, you know, having an American name. And now that I've actually shared with my clients, my professional clients and all my friends and family that I was going to use child, people really took the time to figure out how to say my name and mm-hmm. like just, you know, celebrated this decision and really make the effort to, you know, ask me just the way you did, like, am I pronouncing your name correctly? And there's no question of like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to say your name because it makes me uncomfortable to say, say a name that I can't pronounce. Right. I think that's what I'm really worried about constantly is like, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to hear my name from people. Yeah. And I think there's, mm-hmm. there's a way in which people who live in the United States who don't have typical American names, don't get their names said, you know? I'm also totally, you know, guilty of that too. And so it's really, it's really interesting to be like, oh, wow, I could have made this decision so much earlier. But that story in my head was so strong and deep that, yeah, I held on until I was almost 40 to make this decision. Wow. Wow. There's so many powerful parts of that story from how you came to the awareness of what was holding you back and the connection to a sense of belonging and the connection to how you are seen and what your name is and that insight also about people who don't have names that we're comfortable saying in our English speaking mouths don't hear their names as often mm-hmm. that just our name is is so much about who we are mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just taking it in <laughs> so, okay so Chayung how I have several questions but how did you say goodbye to Lisa what did you do what was that process like of saying goodbye to Lisa well it's not complete yet actually, mm-hmm. because I still haven't changed my email address, which still is, you know, starts with Lisa. I was actually creating a naming ceremony for myself. And then COVID hit, actually, a shelter in place happened. Like, literally, I was finishing the whole, like, sort of 
flow of this ceremony I wanted to have with a close group of friends um, the weekend before shelter in place happened. And so I have not completely said goodbye to her yet. But my legal paperwork has been um, postponed quite a bit because of COVID. You have to go into court and see a judge around all this stuff. But anyway, I talked to the judge over the phone. So all my paperwork should be done this week. And so I think I'm going to do something really much more simplified with my husband. But there is there's a piece of me wanting to really acknowledge all that Lisa was for me and is in some ways. Like, I don't think, I don't know if she ever necessarily like dies or goes away. Right. But I think for me, it is about like saying thank you and acknowledging her for all the ways in which she helped me get to where I am today, which I'm so proud of being where I am. And just, you know, I think my hope was that if I had invited some friends, I wanted to kind of hear back from them who Lisa was to them. Mm -hmm. And then I want to kind of invoke, you know, that same cosmic longing that I felt or that connection into Chaeyoung and just kind of welcome her into this new phase of my life. And my hope was that, you know, my partner and friends could really, you know, bless Chaeyoung so that she feels like welcome essentially into this life, even though it feels a little bit like she was stuck you know, back in the early 80s or 90s. And now she's coming into the 2020s, which is pretty crazy right now. <laughs> but yeah, that's that was that's my plan for having a little ceremony for my name. And I think the most significant thing I did was, I don't usually use social media, and I'm starting to use it a little bit more. But just on Facebook, I had posted. And the reason why I chose Facebook, because I have friends from elementary school all the way till now that are, I'm connected with. So it felt like the widest, easiest reach. And I wrote a post about my name change that I think you read. And that was really important for me. Writing is not easy for me, but it was one of those things where I couldn't sleep until I could just write that. I lost mm -hmm. sleep for almost like a week, I think, because something needed to come out. And when I finally sat down and wrote my story and pressed, you know, post, I cried for like two or three hours. And I think I cried because, yeah, I cried for Lisa for all the ways in which, like, I feel so connected to her, you know, that I feel like I am her in so many ways, but also for Chaeyoung for all those years that I, I turned away from her. And so, yeah, it was a really complicated, but also sort of releasing cry for me where I felt like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm putting a line in the sand right now where I'm making a real decision. This is not one of those like half-hearted decisions where I can kind of go back on. It's like, no, I can't turn back from this. And so, yeah, it felt really huge. And I felt a thousand times better. I slept so much better the next couple of days. And my body had been just kind of physically, I had not been 100% during that time. And once I made that decision, once all this happened, my body kind of went back to normal. And that was also really interesting to me. It's like oh, the body senses all that we're holding. Mm -hmm. Have you had any responses from people that weren't responses that you wanted to get? I remember seeing a lot of celebration for you on Facebook, but have you had to deal with people who keep forgetting that you've changed your name? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, I mean, I think the concept of it, 
people really acknowledge and support. But in terms of in practice, it's super hard for, especially people who've known me the longest. Mm -hmm. And so I told people, I was like, your grace period lasts a year. (laughs) And then after that, then I'm going to start, you know, getting on your case about it. But like my partner, Jared, he, you know, he had a nickname for me that was connected to Lisa. And, you know, he, he's gotten so much better in the last month, but he really struggled because it just rolled off his tongue. And same with, yeah, like I said, like my, some of my closest family members, um, my in-laws and other folks, they still switch from Chaeyoung to Lisa. But what's nice is that like when it's a, a like a friend unit or a family unit, they're kind of holding each other accountable and I don't have to do the work all the time, which is really nice. And so I really appreciate it when I don't have to necessarily expend the energy to remind people what my name is and they help each other. But yeah, I mean, there's only been full on support and it's more of a practice. I think that's hard for hard for people. Yeah, I've never been upset with anybody I think because it doesn't matter so much to me anymore like I think when I was nine it was like every time somebody messed up my name or didn't call me by the right name it felt like such an assault to who I was and I I felt so uncomfortable with their reaction my reaction like all of it was too much for me but now it's like I don't really care I think it's the thing around belonging it's like oh I know she belongs to me and I belong to her. And so it doesn't really matter if you get my name wrong or if you call me by the wrong name, because I know who I am. And I think that's what I really needed to get to in order to not get so upset or frustrated by people getting my name wrong. Mm -hmm. Wow. What does it feel like now when you meet people for the first time and Mm. you introduce yourself as Jai Young and not... Lisa, you don't, yeah, you don't have to, and you don't have to tell them like, and I have changed my name, you know, you just (laughs) totally, you know, to be, if I were to be totally honest. So when I go to like, let's say a coffee shop and they ask me, you know, what's your name? I usually use Lisa. Cause I'm like, Mm. it's too complicated because they write the name down and I'm like, I want to do all of that. So Lisa still lives in that sort of way. I was volunteering one weekend and I made the decision to say Chaeyoung as opposed to Lisa, because I think I'm worried about how easy it could be to keep saying Lisa, just because it's like, oh, that's the easy name. And so every time I'm introducing myself, I am making a choice. Like, who am I bringing forth in this moment? And I think there was only one time where I was volunteering with a group of volunteers in Fruitvale, and there was a white male who asked me what my name was. And I said, Chaeyoung. And I don't know what came out of his mouth, but it was something completely different. And so I tried to repeat it a couple times for him, but you could tell he couldn't be bothered. And, mm. you know, and there was definitely sort of a sting, but what made me proud of myself was that I didn't say, okay, you could just call me Lisa. It, mm-hmm. I just stood there and I was like, my name is Chaeyoung. If you can't say it, you know, then just don't say my name at this point. So I think that that's, that's been interesting. But most people, they'll say, can you say your name again? And I'll say it. And it feels really nice to mm-hmm. actually center myself in that introduction, which I think what I was so afraid of is like taking out that extra minute to be like, this is my name, like learn how to say it and we'll keep practicing, you know? And I think now... I'm not afraid to do that. And it feels actually kind of good to take the time to actually get my name right because it doesn't take longer than literally 30 seconds, (laughs) which I think as a kid felt like, you know, forever. 
and such a painful, painful moment to stand out or to be different. And so, yeah, so it feels, it feels for the most part pretty good. And it feels empowering every time I make the choice to say Chaeyoung and not Lisa. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. Just that, that taking the 30 seconds or the one minute to center yourself and to ask people to pronounce your name and even to offer them a few opportunities and then the grace to let it go if, if they can't get it. But that assertion of I am worth one minute. Mm-hmm. I can put myself in the center for one minute and mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think about, yeah, what would happen if it was two minutes? Like, you know, what's the next <laughs> thing yeah. that deserves to be centered and honored? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you sense is possible for you? What's available to you now that you are becoming Chai Young, that you are asking other people to see you as Chai Young now now what feels possible to you? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. Well, one thing when you said like, Oh, what would it be to like, you know, your last question around the, if it was more than one minute and it was two minutes and, you know, I was just thinking about like, I see my, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she lives in Korea and she has dementia right now, but there are parts of her that are coming out now that we never knew about her. And one thing was that she grew up under Japanese colonization and she, she was given a Japanese name. And I never knew, I never known that. I never knew what her Japanese name was. And she started talking about it recently when we were in Korea. And I was like, gosh, what else don't I know about you? But, but it just makes me think about, oh, my lineage, my lineage of, you know, people who have been under all kinds of oppression or colonization and that name, name and language becomes such a part of power and control. And for me to claim my name back to Chaeyoung, for me, it's like, oh, I get to access like my lineage in a way that I had never maybe consciously thought of accessing. And also, you know, I think a lot about my son, Orion, and like the descendants beyond him and just like it's not just what's possible for me but it's like oh what's possible for him and now all my descendants because I chose to stand in my own name that felt really real and true for me when I felt that cosmic connection in Mexico City I was like oh wow this is not just about me in this moment in 2019 this is about oh I'm connecting all these dots from sort of behind me and in front of me and so yeah that from a really I guess like high perspective that feels like what becomes possible there's like a healing it's like breaking another chain I guess of like the way that you know I have been complicit with this whole system of oppression in some way, right. Of like changing my names to make it easier for other people to not feel like I'm worth a minute or 30 seconds to get my name right. Like all of that changes because my son will know and see me as somebody who's different, who stands out and 
we'll take the time to correct people, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that that will really carry forth with him. And I think that that really symbolically carries forth in my work. All the ways that I think I'm played small or try to hide behind, you know, you know, I don't know, every excuse I could come up with, you know, not being smart enough, not being this enough, not being charismatic, whatever, like all these things. It's like when I come back to that decision or that that sense feeling of uh, connection with the universe, I'm like, oh, okay anything is possible right now. Like I am a conduit for all that, you know, is true and real. And so if I could just get out of my way, (laughs) if I can let my ego calm down a little bit, then I can actually get the work done. Right. And so I think Chayong becomes this real reminder to me of that truth that is so, 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 so hard to connect to sometimes when, you know, all my internal voices, all those voices that I've picked up over the years from my own family, but also from, you know, being, you know, Asian American in this, in this society, when those get kicked up, it's so hard to connect to that. But now that I could drop into my name, you know, I can really access my higher self. I can access this, this version of me that I still need to, embody more, but I know she's there. So I think that's what Chayong represents for me and what's possible. Wow. Thank you so much, Chayong. It's just so, there's so many levels of beauty and power and, and courage in your story. And I love the way that you're seeing both your lineage and your potential for impact, this sort of thread going through through time and space. And I'm curious to see what will happen as you continue settling in and exploring this expanded identity mm. and what will happen. Yeah. I just think your story is the definition of courage and agency and healing and transformation. Thank you. Yeah. And I kind of smile when I hear that a bit too of like, you know, I think part of like, there's still that part of me that's like, don't fail. (laughs) Like, don't screw this up. Like this transformation has happened. And so therefore you need to do all these things. And I think so much of my practice is around how do I come back to every moment? I have this commitment. The way I say it is I am a commitment to radical self-love, compassion and connection. And that's sort of what I try to come back to every time when I get to this place of, oh gosh, you know, you need to be doing more. (laughs) You need to be doing all these things. It's like, just if I could start with that radical self-love, compassion and connection, like to me, it's part of those universal truths that I know will help me naturally get to those greater possibilities and not the other way around. It's sort of like, oh, now that the name has changed, you know, now I have this higher standard of perfection that I need to reach. That's again, all my voices coming out and I have to come back to, no, no, no. It's just being present with what is right now and showing up with that sort of spaciousness and presence and love and belonging that actually creates more transformation outside of me. It all starts with ourselves right yeah exactly (laughs) like 
Yeah, starts with us and who we are and what we sense is our own potential and power and recognizing the other voices that might be there for the rest of your life, right? Like totally, they might always be there, but it's being able to distinguish, I hear you and you're not actually me. Mm -hmm. You are that, you know, that's the official when you went to get your citizenship saying, you know, you can take an American name now, mm-hmm. right? Like that's somebody else's voice. It's not you. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cha Young, thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Cha Young's story was particularly poignant for me for a few reasons. First, I've had innumerable experiences of people saying my name wrong or wanting to anglicize it. When I was a kid and I was born and raised in England, I'd tell people my name was Elena and they'd say, okay, we'll call you Helen. I know, bad English accents. And I'd say, no, that's not my name. My name is Elena. Now, most people have figured out how to say my first name, but my last name, Aguilar, is still a challenge for people very often. So anyway, Cha Young's desire to hear others say her name and to say it correctly deeply resonated. And I made many other personal connections to her story But it also felt so important to share her story because the work we do in Bright Morning focuses on creating communities that honor people's core identities. The consulting, coaching, and trainings we do are all about how to create teams and schools and relationships that center the global majority, that center people and communities that have been marginalized. And we teach people how to withstand the discomfort of doing this work. Now, I've just written a post on our website with tips and strategies that you can use as a teacher or organizational leader to honor people's names and how they want to be addressed and how to deal with the discomfort that might arise in this process. So hop over to my website, brightmorningteam.com, and you'll find that there. But there was one more reason why I felt I had to share Cha Young's story. And that is because I think so many of us will relate to the feeling of having some part of you that's not seen by others, that's not known, some part of you that feels really deep and important, perhaps some part of you that you were born with, it's just who you are, and will relate to that desire we feel to reclaim that part of ourselves, to to stand in that part, and ask other people to take 30 seconds to see and honor that part of us. 
So I'll leave you with these questions. Is there a part of you that you've kept hidden? Is there a part of you that you want to reclaim that will help you show up in your full power? What part of you needs to come out? I need to ask you something. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you please go over to Apple Podcasts and rate it a five and leave a review of it? It feels awkward that I have to ask this, but apparently when a podcast is new, ratings and reviews are really important. And apparently, I have to have reviews of five stars. I'm guessing that this will take you 60 seconds and it'll help other listeners discover this show. And of course, if you do know anyone else who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. Thanks, everyone.